Welcome to Gringo's Eternal Family's podcast. Gringo's Eternal Family is a ministry with a purpose of being God's love to the 99 and the 1. You can visit our website and check out our blog post at gringo'seternalfamily.com for more content. We hope you are encouraged and blessed by today's episode. Thank you. Hello family, welcome to another episode of Grain Goes to Turn Families Podcast. So today we're going to be continuing in the series of Gospel of Jesus Christ. This is part six. And in today's episode, we will be talking about the law and sin. Do we nullify the law by faith? And should we go on sinning because we have grace? So I'm going to just put it out there. Today we have a lot of Bible reading. We're going to be reading a lot of scriptures and making references to a lot of scriptures. And um, this should never be a problem, right? I mean, we're Christians supposed to be in love with the Bible, right? So I'm just getting you ready for all of that. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, actually, when we talk about the preaching and teaching of the of salvation and the gospel, you know, salvation by grace, true faith, we usually, this makes a lot of people wonder and think, um, should we go on sinning now that we, are, we have grace and uh, now that we have um, grace? And we're no longer under the under law. Can we just you know, is the law nullified? And can we just go and sin it? And we don't have to obey God's laws, and we will not face any penalty of that. And that actually is a good question, and it's one question that Apostle Paul predicted and took time to answer to us in the Book of Romans, chapter five, through eight. Okay, so you can go and read that after this. That would be really great reference for you. But the plain answer to the question is no. We must uphold God's law and no, we cannot go on sinning. All right? But what exactly, before we go on, what exactly is or are God's law or laws? Um, in the Old Testament, after God delivered the Israelites and saved them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, it gave them some laws to obey, to guide and direct their living and interaction with him and one another. So in the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 17, God gave them the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai that they were to obey and live by. So the Ten Commandments are considered a part of God's law. In addition to it, other laws, regulations, statutes were also added before the Israelites went into the promised land that God gave to them. So Moses told them about these rules and statutes in the book of Deuteronomy, starting from the chapter four. In chapter six, verse four to nine, Moses said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You have to love, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and they shall talk and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lay down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this is basically telling them these laws are important. Okay. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 
And in the following chapters, Moses went on to give them so many laws, laws about clean and unclean food, first offering, tithe, the sabbatical year, the feast of Passover, justice, forbidding form of worship, laws about Israel's kings, provision for priests and Levites, abominable practices, cities of refuge, laws concerning warfare, witnesses, inheritance rights of the firstborn, hanging of a man a tree, marrying of female captive, sexual immorality, divorce, and so many other miscellaneous laws and much more. And in the book of Leviticus, we also have a lot of laws regarding various types of offerings, laws concerning purification after childbirth, leprosy, bodily discharge, unlawful sexual relations, punishment for child sacrifices, and so many more. The point is, Israel had a lot of laws that they were to obey and live by. But the problem is, the more the law, the more sin increased and abounded. Before the law was given, there was already sin in the world, starting from the Garden of Eden and the fall of mankind. You know, But there was no actual sin that was laid down for men to obey and because there was no actual law actually i mean there were no actual laws laid down and because of that no account of sin was kept and where there is no law there is no sin and the people can can just get away with anything all right or so we talk because in this case that was not the case with god god had already established the punishment of sin which was that right and he told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that they were not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if they did, they would die in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. This was just one law, okay? Do not eat from this tree. And the punishment was death. So this punishment was activated and death already came into the world through that sin and continued to reign over all human who sinned even though they had no other laws to live by, all right? But God waited for the perfect time to give his son, the perfect and spotless lamb for salvation and redemption from sin and its punishment. So God gave the Israelites his own special people, laws to guide their living pending the sacrifice that Christ was going to make on our behalf. So the giving of the law was God's act of love to guide his people. The law is good in itself. But because man's flesh, our flesh, was already corrupted and trapped in the claws of sin, soon took advantage of that. It took advantage of the good law and corrupted man even more. But God knew the sin was going to take advantage of the law. So where sin increased, grace, God's grace increase even more you can read this in romans chapter 5 verse 20 to 21 but jesus came right he finally did come and he saved us from sin completely and from the law of sin so now we're gonna read a really long chapter um it's the book of romans chapter 7 and a little bit we're gonna read all of chapter 7 and a little bit of chapter 8 okay um i hope this really helps you to understand the conflict between law and sin all right so we're gonna go ahead and start so keep in mind paul apostle paul is speaking here okay so romans chapter 7 
to my Jewish brothers and sisters, those who know the Lord. Don't you know that the Lord rules people only as long as they live? Just as a married woman is only bound to her husband for as long as he is alive, so were you bound to the Lord for as long as you were alive. But since you died with Christ, the Lord no longer has effect or control over you. Now I'm just going to add this emphasis. If the law has no effect over us anymore, sin which took advantage of the law also does not have effect or control over us, right? So we're going to continue. Paul says, you now belong to Jesus just as a widow is free to be married to another man. You can now freely belong to Jesus who was raised from the dead so that you might bear fruit for God. When we were alive in the sin, in the in flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us and we bore fruit for death. But now that we are dead to the flesh and law that once bounded us, we have been released from the law. We now serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the Lord. So you might say, so is the Lord sinful? Not at all. However, if we didn't have the law, we wouldn't know what was sin. I would not have known that coveting, if the law was, if the law did not say, thou should not covet, I wouldn't have known that coveting was a sin. So the law allowed us to know what was sin, but sin used the law as an opportunity to provide all kinds of selfish and evil desires within me. Without the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive without the law, but when the commandment was given, sin sprang to life and I died. The very commandments that were intended to bring life actually brought death. Because sin used it as an opportunity and deceived me to think that the law was caging me. Sin deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So the law is not sinful. It is holy. The commandment is holy. It is righteous and good. So you might also say, so does that mean that what is good, which is the law, caused me to die? Again, not at all. The, it was sin that did it. So that sin can be fully sin as what it is. Sin. Bad and evil. It used what was good to bring about my death. So through the commandment, which is the law, sin is shown to be even more terribly sinful. It uses God's laws for its own selfish and evil purposes. So the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual and sold out as a slave to sin. I don't even know what I do. I don't understand it. What I don't want to do, I do. And what I hate, I do. This shows that I agree that the law is good because I know what I am doing is wrong, but I do it anyway. So I am not the one actually doing the wrong things, but the sin that lives in me. Because I know that good does not live in me, in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do good, but I can't. I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. So again, since I am doing what I don't want to do, it is not me who does it but the sin that lives in me. So even when I want to do good, I can't because Allah ever me is evil. 
My inner being delights in God's laws, but I see another law at work in me. It wages war against the law of God that my mind approves of. It makes me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is a work in my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to sin and death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in my mind, I am a slave of God's law, but my sinful nature is a slave to the law of sin. So that is chapter 7, guys. Amazing. That is just so self-explanatory. It is to the point. And I really hope that just blesses you. It is Paul is trying to tell us there that, hey, sin has some power, okay? And it even took advantage of law even more to do a lot of selfish things in me because my flesh is weak. I do so many things that I don't want to do. I know what is right, but I still do what is wrong anyway because all I have in me is evil. And it is not actually me that's doing it. It's the sin that is in me. It controls me. I am literally trapped in sin. Who is going to deliver me? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come to deliver, deliver us. And he has done that already if we believe in him. So even the good Lord could not change our sinful nature. He could only tell us what is right and what is wrong. But sin was still going to make us do what is wrong anyway. So it could not change our sinful nature. Only Jesus' death and resurrection, grace through faith, could save us. So now we're going to read a little bit of chapter 8 from, chapter, from verse 1 to 4. Paul is saying, Therefore, there is no now condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit that gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. It's like there is two law at work here. The law of the Spirit, the law of, the, of sin. And the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of death and sin. Okay? Verse 2. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering and do what the law was powerless to do because it was because it was weakened by the flesh. God condemns sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of obedience to the law might be fully met in us who have believed in Jesus and now live according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. God is good. Glory, glory, glory. So we are no longer under obligation to obey sin, right? So I'm going to read to you another few long chapter. Is um Romans chapter 6, verse 12 to 20, 23. And these are some emphasis that I added in this. Okay, so it says, Sin is no longer your master and you must not allow it to reign once again in your mortal body. Neither should you obey its evil desires and lawlessness. Don't offer any part of your body to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Instead, offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from life to death. Offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Sin shall no longer be your master because you are no longer under law where sin could enslave you, but you are under grace. Righteousness in Jesus Christ shall be your master. 
So since we're no longer under law, but under grace, shall we continue in sin and not worry about it? Not at all. Why shall we continue in sin when we don't have to? Why should we choose to throw away God's good laws? Because we are, because now we actually have more abundant grace and the ability by the Holy Spirit to obey it. So just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, now offer yourself as, sacri- as, as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Once upon a time you were slave to sins and you were totally free from the control of righteousness. But what did you gain? You only gained shame and death. But now you have been set free from sin and you've become slave of good. The benefit of this is holiness and eternal life. The wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that chapter is telling us, Romans 6, verse 12 to 23, that we should offer ourselves. So you have to voluntarily do this. Offer yourself. You have to do this. Do not allow sin to allow you or make you give your body to it again. You have to, you have a choice. You now have a choice to choose the master that you want to obey. You now have a choice to do what is right. You cannot do it because you are no longer under law. And because you're no longer under law, sin cannot take advantage of law anymore to make you do what it wants you to do. You can say no to sin because you have grace. All right. So you might say, if we are to obey the law because we cannot, it's not nullified by, by, by faith. So you might say, are we to obey and uphold all the particular laws that were given to the Israelites in the Old Testament? You know, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast uh, about all the several laws that were given to the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Am I to obey all of that, you might ask? No. Because we are under a new covenant, the law of God, the only law that we have to obey is love. Okay, all those other laws, Jesus fulfilled them for us because we can never fulfill them. We can never obey them. And it was a whole covenant. We are under the new covenant and the only covenant and the only law that we need to obey and uphold is love. Okay, let's read the book of Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8 to 13. God says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with your ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from God, from them, declares the Lord. This is the new covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to, or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sin no more. Verse 13 says, by calling this law, this covenant new, he has made the first covenant obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So the new covenant 
trumps the whole covenant. Christ came to fulfill all the laws that we could not fulfill and obey true because because we could not fulfill those laws. Sin was able to put its claws on us. But Christ came to fulfill those. The, in Christ, the whole covenant is fulfilled. You can see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. So the only law that we must obey is love. For love is the fulfillment of the law of Christ. Romans 13, verse 8. All the Ten Commandments and more are fulfilled when we love God and others. And through the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, God's love has been poured into our hearts. Romans 5, verse 5. So we can do what is right. We naturally flow in pleasing and loving God and also loving others. Love is our new normal. It is our new norm. Like we don't even have to call it a law because it's our new normal life of living is the law of Christ. It's, it's, it's natural to us now. Okay, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 40 says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest covenant, greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Romans 13, 8 to 10 says, Let no debt remain outstanding accept the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other laws there may be are summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the Lord. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. The law is love. The new law, the royal law for believers is love. In James chapter 2, verse 8, this particular law must be upheld and it is not nullified by faith. Okay, you have to love your neighbor as yourself and you have to love God. So tell me, why will we want to throw away or not uphold such an amazing law? It is no burden at all. And the best part is, the Holy Spirit helps us with this. It helps us to love God and love others. So any man that thinks that salvation is a license to continue in sin is not saved and does not have the Spirit of Christ in him or her. How can you joyfully and willingly go on a sinning spree and back to your old life, which you ought to be dead too? You should have contempt and disgust for sin. The fear and the love of God should be in you. The Spirit of God should overwhelm you. And you should believe in a life that is worthy of the gospel. You should be working out your salvation. I have a different, I have an entire post, blog post about what it means to work out your salvation on my blog post. You can check it out. Just go to my blog and type 
um the blog is called growingofthetunnelfamily.com just type in the search box work it out work out your salvation and you should say it so you can read more on that again the law of god which is grounded in love should be upheld and no we cannot go on sinning because we're dead to sin you have no obligation to obey your flesh and sin you have no obligation you don't have to you have the power to say no you have the ability to say no and grace helps us to say no all right the new law is love and it has been poured into our heart so we can join the psalmist to say i desire to do your will my god your law is within my heart psalms 40 verse 8 so in the next part guys we will talk about what is next after salvation now that i'm saved what am i to do next stay tuned thank you so much for listening today i love you guys so much god bless you have a merry merry christmas in advance merry christmas merry christmas merry christmas you are loved you are eternally loved by god bye bye love you